Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for another episode of 24. We are still in the fifth season, day five, episode 19, 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. This aired on April 24th, 2006. And on April 24th, in 1953, Winston Churchill was knighted. So there you go. Just want to want to say that. And also on uh, April 24th, uh, on in 1933, Nazi Germany began its persecution of Jehovah's Witnesses. Sorry, Prince, that was a bad day for your people. Um, this was written by Steve Mitchell and Craig Van Sickle, and directed by Dwight Little. And I don't know if he is or not, but I'm sure Dwight secretly isn't Little. Uh, my name is Ben. <laughs> that was terrible. My name is Ben, and there's something wrong with me. I know that. I should see someone. My name is Colin, and I can trace your physical location by looking at the binary. <laughs> It's a Unix system. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of when you said that line. <laughs> Interactive CD-ROM. <laughs> um, look, this is, again, similar to last week. It's like I literally have this, spoiler alert, ranked one spot ahead of last week. It's It's got some solid spots in it. Like the opening part of this episode is amazing, but then it's just weighed down to me by cartoony Logan. Um, and there's a scene in this which I love, but it's also just out of nowhere. Um, and then we kind of get the beginning of... A, a, uh, next week's great, but it's terrible. Like, it's there's a mixed bag. Like, it's literally the beginning of another one of these ones where the writers have gone, okay, what can we get Jack to do? I know, Jack can hijack a plane. Um, like, just things like that. But, like, again, this is entertaining. You can't take away from the just the pure tension of this. As I keep saying, this is arguably the biggest stretch of tension that just makes you want to keep watching it. As I said last week, as soon as this episode ends, I just wanted to keep watching. Everything keeps you hooked on the edge of the seat. But uh, assuming similar to what you've kind of gone through the last few weeks, I'm assuming you're going to be more positive on this. But there's like, it's, it's entertaining while there's also lots of issues, but I don't hate it. And also we just get the introduction of... Something which is just going to make us grow next season. And no disrespect to Paul McCrane. I love you. Oh, I knew you were going with that. But it's just like, oh, it just, it makes me feel sick to my stomach. Uh, <laughs> just, we're not uh, just talking about his reference towards his children either. <laughs> no, it's just like, and there's a scene around him. This It just doesn't fit. I don't know. Like it's, it's a bipolar episode for Ben Waterworth, but it's still got some thoroughly entertaining stuff. And it's very tension filled and entertaining still. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I already know where your rankings are, so I can tell you I am more high on this than you are, but I'm not nearly where I was last week. Last week made my top five of all episodes yeah, so far. Um, this isn't anywhere near that. Uh, but it's still really good. Like you said, the tension's there. Uh, I don't think I'll be as down on the public because I think 
I'm able to separate what I'm watching this season from season six. Like, I don't know if you like this with other franchises. Uh, for me, growing up, it was always the Karate Kid. The Karate Kid trilogy, and then you have the next Karate Kid, which is technically still connected to it, but, like, I would basically almost brainwash myself to be like, the Karate Kid series ended with part three. Wars. I, kind of, I, I do the same thing with Star Wars. Yeah, I, was like, I, I like, you know, The Force Awakens. I like some of The Last Jedi. I like very little of Rise of Skywalker. But when I finish Return of the Jedi, I'm like, oh, good, it's the end of the series. I'm, I'm sort of like that with 24. Like, anything we're seeing here, I'm still thinking the mindset I was back in 2006. I'm like, this is a really sinister villain. They got that really cool jerk from ER. Um, I'm into this whole, you know, secret organization and not thinking about where it's going to take us. Even though my brain is connecting the dots. Oh yeah, th this happens. And then it comes to this and then it comes to then. He just mentioned his children. Great. He's going to have his kid next season too. Yes, I agree. But I weirdly do that at the end of season six. Like as much as I dislike yeah. season six, to me, this show kind of, like we've always talked about it having those like arcs, right? Like the first three seasons, mm -hmm. then the next three seasons. To to me, I yeah, I weirdly do that with the end of season six. I kind of think that's a good conclusion to it, and that's not to take away from like redemption. Seven is dog shit bad, but there is still some good to it. And eight, I think, is a solid season. Nine, I think, is very underrated, and then legacy yeah. exists. But like, it's just I weirdly do that with the end of season six for me. But I see what you're saying. But I think like it's just. A lot of what frustrates me in terms of just like with the introduction of the Paul, Paul McCrane character and that storyline, it's not even just the Jack family stuff. It's just, and this is what always been my issue with the Logan stuff in hindsight, is that it's so convoluted what they try to do with this men in the office kind of controlling the government storyline that they just lose track of what they want to do with it. And that's what seeps into season seven mainly than next season as well. And that's where it kind of frustrates me because, again, they're onto something here, but then they just find a fluff at all. And I don't know. Like, I just, I'm, I'm being highly critical of it, I guess, for those reasons, but I can totally see where you're going with it. And that's like what I was trying to say last week with Logan in terms of I enjoy Logan as bad Logan and cartoony villainy. Like, Gregory Itzen is incredible, but I think I'm still just miffed that it's just such a shift of the character. And we just get, we just still get these moments with him. That again, if you're watching this three weeks ago, it's not the same character. So again, I'm I'm repeating the same thing I'm saying the last couple of weeks, but it's still entertaining. Don't, don't, I'm still you don't have to listen to us. Just go back and listen to the last couple of weeks. Exactly. <laughs> but like it's again, as I keep reiterating, it's still entertaining. This isn't something, oh, is it ever? Yeah, like, and that's why it's so like, yeah. I, and I think this this is almost another episode where you can sort of do it in chronological, but also then I think Jack. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like, do we do we go chronological again? Because I think it's just, uh, you know, I, I I have messed up on a couple episodes thinking like, oh, you're hosting this one. No, no, I'm hosting. Great. <laughs> uh, but this one, I was thinking to myself, you know what? I, I'm going to prepare to host just in case I'm wrong. But this one makes sense chronologically. Yeah. So it, it, it's kind of if you're with that. I'm with, I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with the people. I'm with the kids. We're with it. We're with it. We just did a recap on Freddie Got Fingered. So I'm happy to talk about some good stuff. Um, yes. so. Can I completely sidetrack us for a second? Please I, do. I want to tell the story because I'll forget it one day. One of the funniest moments with Jamie, I can't even remember what it was. She was saying something when we were driving once. So she was using some slang and and I was saying like, <laughs> oh, I, some I, slang. Hate, I don't I don't remember what it was. I'm like, oh, I hate that phrase. And she's like, well, that's what all the kids are saying these days. And I started laughing. I'm like, Jamie, that is exactly what an old lady says. That's what the kids are like. No, no, no. That's a really popular phrase. I don't even remember what it was she said. But she kept trying to convince me this was like a cool new phrase. So she Googled it. And then she burst out laughing and said, popular in the early to mid 2000s. <laughs> 
Well, that's, that is like, I think that is definitely a signifier of knowing you're old, right? I don't know like how many younger people, like I had one recently at work and there was like in our Slack group and I saw the term drip was used. They were like, that's a solid drip. And I'm literally there staring at the screen for a good five minutes going, I'm sorry, what? And then I had to have a guy who is only a year younger than me explain to me that that is slang for like good clothing. And yeah, I had to Google that after hearing it the first couple of times. But like, I, I never felt so old in my life. And also, like, how does that signify good clothing? That is something that you go to a doctor for. I've got a good drip. <laughs> and like, this is cool. That's perspiration problem. <laughs> like, the kids are like, going, oh, yeah, bro, look at your good drip. I'd look, I'd, I'd hear someone say that and go, where? Like, do I need to, do I have to go to a hospital? I've got something on Check my Check your cord. zipper. <laughs> like, like, what is that? And how old am I right now that I have to hear that to go, what the fuck does that mean? Like, the good news is you're not nearly as old as Jamie because at least you've heard the modern saying. I think I'm older than Jamie, aren't I, by a few months? You are, but this is the joke that Jamie and I have going around is that Jamie is the youngest old lady <laughs> you will ever meet. She literally will look out our window and she'll start judging me walking on the street. What is that person up to? <laughs> what are those kids doing? <laughs> and I'm like, Jamie, take it easy. You're not 80 years old in a rocking chair. <laughs> I want to come back to visit you guys just so I can literally join in with Jamie. That sounds fun. I love that game. What are they wearing? Go up. Disgusting. Um, I don't like the looks of those kids. But can I just say, getting old is kind of fun to be extra judgment. <laughs> you kind of are slowly getting to that age where you're allowed to, right? <laughs> Like, we're only a few years away from, oh, they're old, they lived in a different era. Like, that's a good yeah. excuse. <laughs> there you go, Max Dawson will have nothing yeah. to say to you anymore. Max, you fuck knuckle. Like, I'm old. <laughs> I think I'm older than Max Dawson, aren't I? Fuck that guy. About, you know, we just did Freddy Got Fingered, it makes me feel sick. Max Dawson, you are the Freddy Got Fingered of Survivor contestants, all right? His drip makes me sick. Oh, fucking gross. <laughs> Get rid of the beard, Max. It's not cool. Fucking wanker. If she shaves one day, you'll know he listens to the show. Oh, God. I don't give a shit if he listens to the show. He would sign up to Patreon. I'd give him his money back. Like, no, I don't want your money. Fuck <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> drip. Um, drip. <laughs> that's not a thing. Like some cool, some quote, cool person one day has gone, oh, I'm going to call my cool clothing drip. And all the kids have gone, yeah, bro, drip. Look at your drip. Fuck off. Like, seriously, kids are stupid. Um, so <laughs> if you're a kid, don't listen to this show. Legally, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to be within a certain amount of space with me. Um, so we're at the beginning of this episode. Audrey is laying here still. I do like the love, the, the lovely little um, quick sort of retcon this uh, moment last week when Henderson's all like, I've, I've cut her uh, brachial artery. She's got three minutes to live. The beginning of this episode, Jack's like, oh, he missed a brachial artery. You'll be fine. <laughs> I love hey Dr. Jackie's back. Oh, uh, there he yeah. is. And secondly, it's just kind of like, cool, all right, that's done. She's fine. Like, so all the tension of last week is just killed in the opening 30 seconds of this week. Um, <laughs> to which all of a sudden, I love Jack's like, oh, you know, we're in trouble here. All of a sudden, ring, 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 ring. Jack's like, oh, that's one of the secret service agents. So he answers it. Uh, hello, this is Jack Bauer. And I love like Secretary Heller. Why are you answering Rexler's phone? Like, Oh, Doug, it's Rexler. Oh, Rexler. Weren't we calling him Frank last week? Rest in peace, Rexler. Mark. Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Um, <laughs> which I've got a question, right? I get like the best tension, the best bits of this episode is what we're about to get with Hella. But why does President Logan just let him go? Like, 
I mean, well, I, I, for this, I think it will draw attention to whatever's going on if he were to just. I think he's setting uh, Heller up the same way Heller was setting him up in the last episode. Because if you just suddenly have, oh, we have this guy detained at the way. Oh, I guess I, I kind of I, see. I was thinking more in terms of like, oh, why is he like you're assuming why does he kill him? But no, yeah, but maybe maybe keep him there. Palmer kept a guy there just because he was a reporter trying to report the truth. Yeah, so give it till morning, maybe. That's that's <laughs> what I'm trying to say because like. Like, surely, this is where I think there's so many elements to this Logan cartoon thing, which actually really makes Logan dumb. Because, like, if you've got a guy who you're all like, oh, you're evil, we've got a recording. And even if you're like, oh, well, sorry, we've got the recording now, sucks to be you. I don't think Sector Hill is just going to be like, oh, well played, Logan. <laughs> oh, scallywag you. I'll resign How tomorrow. How does he know he doesn't have a... A backup. He doesn't know he doesn't have a copy. Yeah, exactly. So like, there's so many elements to this. Of like, why would you let this guy go? Like, he's mm-hmm. he's brought it to the like again. His garden is going to be like, huh? That was unusual. President's <laughs> evil. Well, that couldn't be true. Back to Letterman. Like, I mean, it's it's <laughs> like there you've opened a can of worms. And surely Heller is not just going to go. Oh, he got me again, Logan. Well, back to private society for me. Um, like, I mean, surely. But anyway, like, it's to, not to take away from this amazing stuff. But I do like kind of like this sequence we get. It's a bit soap opery, but there's something endearing about it. The way Secretary Hill is like, why are you asking Reckless Phone? It's like, Secretary, Henderson's men came after me and they killed everyone. And now they're going afterwards. So what's happening there? Well, Jack, Logan got a phone call and clearly released me. I think that I'm going to come there and help you out so we can get the recording out there. You need to trust me. And Jack's like, with all due respect, sir, you betrayed me. And then Taylor's like, I did. I handled it wrong and I'm sorry. And Jack's like, okay, bye. And like hangs (laughs) up. Like it's, it's, it's so soap opery, but it's kind of one of those soap opery moments where I actually really like, like, I just kind of be like, I was wrong, Jack. And like, you betrayed me. (laughs) My my issue with that though, is that, is, is Jack getting upset? You betrayed me. And me, I'm like, Jack, you just handed over the recording. Yeah. <laughs> like five minutes ago to save Audrey. And like, everybody's making their own mistakes here. You know, he's not alone. They're retconning themselves so quickly here because all of a sudden, Jack's like in the car. He's in, still got his cop car. There he is, the Jack Mobile, the cop car. And he's driving <laughs> around. He calls up like, Chloe and Mil- Now, you had your binary folder or whatever it was. Like, <laughs> Again, we've talked about how, like, they just use technical jargon that makes no sense and also, like, you know, nearly 20 years later is so outdated because I love how Chloe's kind of like, all right, Bill, I need to use your computer. It's not as good as my laptop or whatever, but I need you to connect there and we need to connect to a VPN pathway. Like, I literally have a VPN on my computer if I want to, like, get something from the US or Canada. It's like, I just get it. It's easy. Like, what was a VPN pathway in 2006? Like, like, this is things that don't make sense anymore. Like, It was literally the same thing you're using now. <laughs> all I have to do is just go, oh, I'm using my Netflix binge watch uh, Code 712 Xbox 360 to connect to the fine line. Like, you may as well use that. Like, it, it's, it, I think now that, you know, working from home is such a thing, like, I basically have to connect to the VPN to, to get yeah. on my, my laptop without connecting through the VPN. I'm surfing Google, you know, as soon as I connect that... But then everybody, this is what's dating it in 2006. Because nowadays people are like, I do that every morning. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas 2006, it's like fancy words. It's VPN. <laughs> VPN, what does it stand for? And he like connects to his like, back then probably was a widescreen TV. It looks like it's about a, you know, 20 inch TV. <laughs> um, and Chloe's subtle dig at Bill Buchanan's technology. This guy was the director of CTU, Chloe. I'm sure he at least knows some technology. 
Um, so then basically Chloe's all like, oh, hack into the mainframe on the binary code VPN and I will get you your satellite imagery, which again, this is just that technology in 24 that just you contradict yourself because you can literally get satellite imagery that is a couple of minutes old and you can track someone. Yet in other scenes yeah. when you are hacking into things and you can't find things, Chloe's doing this from the fucking suburbs near Van Nuys Airport. A couple of seasons mm-hmm. ago, you had to like take away server access from the FBI and that, and that was going to slow down things. Like it just, it doesn't <laughs> make sense. Um, so meanwhile, while she's trying to find that out, we've kind of got this, again, I like this scene, but again, to me, this is a scene that A, makes Logan look just weird and makes Logan look dumb. So you've got like him on the phone to Henderson and Hen- and he's like, is Jack Bauer dead? Uh, so you literally spoke to me five minutes ago and I said, no, but okay, let's plot point again. Cause it's the beginning of the episode. Uh, <laughs> no, sir. He's not dead. Well, that's unfortunate because he's got the recording. No, sir. I've got the recording. Remember that phone call five minutes ago? Oh, Jamie's back with dessert now. Is it? Oh, oh fuck, that looks amazing. Yum. Jesus. It's actually leftovers and Advil. Ah, oh, drugs and food and water. <laughs> oh, Jamie. <laughs> What a woman. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I just love like Colin's basically in a 1950s marriage and basically like the man's got to do the work while the woman brings me food. Um, I love this, yeah, this is my work. Jamie, I'm working right now. <laughs> well, it was my work for a couple of years, Colin. Don't disparage it. Um, <laughs> but so Henderson's basically like, I've got the recording, sir. And, and Logan's like, good, destroy it. And Henderson's like, no. And Logan's like, why? But why? Uh, because why? we can. Uh, and he's like, well, why would I destroy this? Because, you know, this is my evidence against you. It's like, uh, well, I'm the president. You can trust me. It's like, uh, no, I can't trust you because you're evil. Uh, and basically, <laughs> like, Henderson's so right here. And then we kind of get this alluding to the fact that Walt's suicide wasn't more of like, and this is going to be the whole Jamie reverse thing from um, season one because we will find out that, you know, spoiler alert, Walt didn't kill himself. He was shut up. Um, so uh, were you waving at me, putting your hand up? Or was there a fruit fly or something? Oh, okay. <laughs> so that time of year. Okay, fair enough. Um, so, and I just think it makes Logan look dumb because like, of course Henderson's going to keep this recording. And then, of course, like, why wouldn't he? Like, if you're working with the president, like, this is a guy who's a president of the United States. He's got goons. He can do whatever he wants. He's a president. Um, so, like, he's basically like, well, if I, Henderson's like, if, you know, I just happen to die, I will happen to release this. Like, da, da, da. So, again, it's just one of these things where, like, Logan just turns a bit dumb, if you ask me. Um, meanwhile, Chloe finds out through this amazing satellite technology that Henderson's actually just up the road. And again, it kind of makes Chloe in that look a bit dumb because it, and because Jack's sort of like, well, how is he only like just around the corner? I like he left like ten minutes ago, and Chloe's just like, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, uh, well, do your job, Chloe. Um, but and also, there's a massive plot hole around this plane being at the airport. Like they're at an airport. There's one airline strip. Why didn't they see this anyway? We'll get to that. Um, so they chase Henderson into this um, shed. Uh, there's a shootout, like, uh, but I love all this stuff. Like it's all the stuff that doesn't make sense. It's still amazing because basically we get to this whole section now where Jack's got Henderson at gunpoint. Give me the recording. And Henderson's all like, well, you know, what about the secretary? And he's like, what do you mean about the secretary? He's like, well, if they don't uh, get my uh, phone call every, what is it? Three minutes, 10 minutes or whatever it is. Um, they will assume I'm dead. So they will kill the secretary. There's a helicopter following him. And Jack rings up Chloe. He's like, hey, Chloe, is there a helicopter? I know you've missed some things that will be, you know, be at serious coming soon, but maybe you're going to see that there's a helicopter following him. And basically also rings the secretary 
And the secretary's like, oh, what do you know? There's a helicopter following me. So we've kind of got this whole great sequence where basically Henderson's like, if you don't let me go, the secretary is dead. He calls the secretary. Uh, Heller's all like, don't give it up to him there. Don't give it up to him. You know, you've got to, you, you know, stand your ground, Jack. You're a man. I'm a man too. Don't be a weakling like you did with my daughter. Should let my daughter die. Um, it's your fault that this country, you're, you're not a man. You're a pussy. Uh, don't be a pussy. You're a pussy, Jack. Are you a pussy? I'm going to drive off this, this cliff. I'm not a pussy. I'm a man. This is what a man would do. You're weak. Drive a cliff. Take your own life. You're weak, Jack. Send it like a man, Jack. Be a man. Stand up to him. <laughs> if you're really a man, you'll live through it and become president. <laughs> so you get elected. All right. That's why Palmer next season's a pussy. He didn't die first. He murdered someone, then he gets shot. He's weak. I'm going to drive off this cliff and I'm going to become a president. That's what a real president will do. Drive off a cliff, be a man. Real presidents are men. You hear that, women? <laughs> men, 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 men. That's what he's telling when he drives off the cliff. Men, 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 men. I'll see you in another life, brother. Men, 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 men. Soaring through the air with his fist out the window. Men! <laughs> Whee! <laughs> Why are we you away from this great scene? Just wanted, if, if it, they hadn't brought back a few seasons, one day Audrey would visit his gravestone. James Heller died a man like he lived. <laughs> He's leaning out the window going, Jackson Pussy! <laughs> Whee! Plump. <laughs> but like there's subtle there's like a subtle funny moment it's not meant to be funny because this scene's all tension but like i love it when like he's driving along he's like yes jack there is a helicopter jack there is a laser sight on me <laughs> it's be like, get it off me get it off me um but it is a great scene where basically hell is like like no jack like be a man like you're not gonna be a man are you i'm gonna drive off this cliff and so you just get like hella drive off a cliff to essentially like sacrifice himself in order to protect, you know, this recording. And like, again, this is another one of those I watched it live scenes going like, <gasps> yeah. And what, what, again, I'm just the Kim Raver fanboy. I get it. But what makes this scene so more powerful is Kim Raver's reaction when she's just in the background going like, oh my God, like, no, like, what is happening? Yeah. And then Jack like grabbing Henderson and being like, what sort of man, what sort of man are you? You're no Henderson, <laughs> you're no secretary. Like, who, like, he's like, you know, who, what did you become? Who did you turn into? Now, this would be in any other season a potentially top five worthy moment. But again, I'm just going to have a little couple of minuses around this scene because this is kind of similar to the Saunders scene when Jack is sort of like, like, who are you? What happened to you? But again, my defense of what makes Saunders better and what makes that season more powerful is you've got more of a background over Saunders. You've got more of an understanding of what he was to Jack and then connecting that to the Drazen mission as well, that where like everything about that to me comes full circle and you're emotionally connected to it. This, this again, as I've said a few times with Henderson, there was weight here that you make Henderson much bigger of a deal. And I get the whole sort of Weller situation where he wasn't available and all that kind of stuff. But if you had that arc to make this guy much more of a connected thing to Jack, then this scene would be much more heavy. It still is heavy. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love this moment. And then Peter Weller, just kind of that deadpan look on his face where he's just, I don't give a fuck, mate. Yeah. Like, you do what you want to. Like, it's epic. Everything about this scene is so good. And everything, to be honest, from this part in the episode is downhill from here. But, like, I mean, it's just, 
all the things about this, the secretary kind of like going off the cliff and like you think this is him like literally sacrificing himself. Spoiler alert, he's alive. Um, but he was a man, he survived. Um, <laughs> but, but like, I mean, just, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of like sort of cap it here for this opening part because like it's just, we talk the tension and everything and this is a jaw drop moment and everything about this scene despite a few little things that I've pointed out and props to everybody involved in the acting here. Like it's just, it's so good. Uh, first, let us quickly talk about the Logan thing because I mean, I, I I get what you're saying about it makes Logan look dumb, but I think whether this was the intention or not, sometimes you watch a show and you're looking at it just through from your own certain point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you see it through your certain certain point of view where you're like, I kind of like to think that this is the reason why, and maybe that's not, it, maybe it's a way of justifying whatever. But to me, there's enough little seeds planted up. Logan's in over his head. That's really what the whole second half of the season is. That when he makes stupid mistakes. I'm just excusing it. I, I might be obviously excusing it like I would in real life. I'm like, you know what? He would be screwing up. He would be doing stupid things. He would be probably when the camera's off him, when Heller's actually going off the cliff and we're not even seeing Logan, he'd probably, oh, why didn't I make him stay here? That was the first lesson Palmer taught me. Put him in cuffs, shove him in a closet. Oh, I should have listened to Palmer. Uh, you don't have to see it on screen to at least connect those dots in your head. So I, I, I will be giving a little bit more leeway can, to Logan throughout can, can, can this I just, season. I'll add one thing on that. Like, I agree with you to the extent that We've seen that with Logan, right? Like we saw that last season with the whole, you know, when he kind of like, well, I let him, you know, like the whole mistake ridden thing yeah. that he was sort of like, well, that was on me. Like, you know, I did that. Like, I, yeah, absolutely. But I think again, where I feel a bit higgledy piggledy on that is that you kind of have that showing through the cracks, but then all of a sudden you got this really like assertive, like strong Logan, which we've never had before. So you kind of, you mix and match enough where it's a bit muddled to me. Now, I feel like we got hints of that at the end of season four and i think we got hints of it at the beginning of this season still that that again this is a persona this is him playing president you know he's become very good at playing president but he still is that kind of nervous uh in over his head that it's perfect that they actually brought it back to him being because that was one of those things in the commentary where they said the, the reason coming into the season they knew that logan would have something to do with this villain's plot they didn't necessarily know where it was going to go because like it would be too boring to just have him be president. It would be too boring just to repeat what we did in season four. But like, I feel like they've actually brought this back to season four. We're seeing the evolution of who he was and everything else we got outside of this was him playing president. But uh, again, that's the way I'm kind of viewing it. Uh, there's a great line here from Bill when Bill's on the phone with Jack where uh, he's like, Chloe, what happened? And it, it, it's like almost like a subtle dig where Bill was like, she was arrested by Homeland for helping you. Yeah. <laughs> like, for helping you, Jack. Like I just want Jack... That hurt, Bill. <laughs> Seriously, I'm trying my hardest out here. I was dead like 16 hours ago. Come I lost on, Connie Britton today, man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I haven't learned how to be a man yet, okay? <laughs> Everybody stop judging me. <laughs> a long day. Uh, I also love the, the Chloe and Bill because this is going to become the new... I mean, we're still going to get the Homeland CTU throughout the season, but this becomes CTU... You know, uh, uh, under the table CTU, the the bills uh, bills house CTU that we're gonna get going forward. Bill TU, uh, just Chloe Cup, Bill TU, yeah, the BTU here. But the, the way that Chloe's like, uh, 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 I hope you don't mind me bossing you around, but technically, I don't actually work for you anymore. <laughs> it's a great line. And I love Bill. Like I love James Morrison. Just kind of like, yes, Chloe, it's fine. Like I just kind of like that. Like sort of like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um. After last week, that trivia about that they took out the shootout. Uh. During the the whole recording thing only to add a shootout in the very next scene. 
at this point, the writers are just messing with them. Like, oh, you don't want a shootout, key friend? We'll take it out of this scene <laughs> and literally add a shootout in every episode going forward. We're going to have to start having shootout counts in this, uh, uh, the rest of the season and going forward. Um, the, uh, are, are you, did you talk about the, um, the apprehension here? So Audrey's escape, uh, oh yeah, you did with, with them on the phone saying, okay, Bill's on his way or whatever. Uh, like them leaving the complex on the phone where they chase Henderson. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where yeah, Audrey's yeah. like, okay, you got to get the back to where she missed. It. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that when I first watched this, uh, it was one of those things where, you know, sometimes you watch something and you've got a million things, more things that run through your brain than you think you could compute in the five, 10 seconds it's my it takes everyday, to actually my process life, Colin. I think it's the opposite with you. <laughs> five or 10 minutes of like, uh, my name again. Well, my name is Ben wow. and. That hurts, Colin. That hurts. <laughs> well, I'll just be a man, okay? <laughs> One day. Can I teach you here? But, uh, but the, the, the way that this scene plays out, like there's so much grit. To me, this is like some of the best tension in the episode, even removing the heller part from it where Audrey is stuck there and they're like, you know, Curtis will be there any minute. Oh, but, no, no, uh, that, that's at the end of the episode. I haven't gotten to that bit. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll reserve my opinions on that for later then. Um, yeah, the cliff jump here is like, I've got it marked down as top five moment, but look at my list. I know there's ones that I left off that you mentioned. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to mark it down because Ben's already mentioned it. So one of us will have well, it. You mean, like, but just mark, mark. You've got last week and this week is I haven't marked them down. Cause I really don't think yeah. I'm going to make it, but please bring them up for in a couple of weeks for honorable but, mentions. Like, even, even my list, Heller driving off the cliff is number 12 on my list of potential top five right now. So you rank them. we are going to have boy. so much. Uh, well, I haven't, no, I'm not saying it's ranked number 12. Oh, I right. have, it is the 12th thing I have on my list here. So I've got 12 potential top five ones written down, not even including ones where you mentioned it. Uh, but like, this is one of the most memorable things of the season. And I think that uh, there's two moments I've come across where it's not quite as powerful as when I first watched it. Maybe part of it is knowing that it's coming. The other one was the Logan reveal, which it's going to be hard to not include that, but like in a way I, I want to fight for other ones ahead of that when we get to the end of the season, because when you know it's coming, it doesn't have that same impact. It's the same thing with like, this to me was one of the most shocking things I'd ever seen on 24, just because it's not, oh, there's this incredible twist. Nina was the the killer all along, or Nina was the, the, the one working with the terrorist, the mole, or and even like Logan's reveal. It was just shocking. And like, they actually went there where the secretary of defense drove a car off a cliff, this major character, it caught me so off guard. Like it's one of the most vivid memories I have watching this season. Uh, but knowing it's about to come, you know, it plays a little bit cheesy, uh, but it, it not necessarily in a, in a way that works for the entertainment, but soap not opera. necessarily works for that same sh soap opera. Yeah. It, it doesn't necessarily work for that shock value, but like William Devane, like this man can literally make anything in a script work. Yeah. Um, Cause he, he generally does save this. And I also love that uh, Henderson's basically saying like, he has a contingency because this is what I've kind of been praising the Henderson character on the last couple of weeks. Like his, he always has that contingency plan and he literally says those lines here, which is great. Picking up on that throw. I always, Jack, you should know, I always have a contingency plan. And then yeah, when he goes off the cliff, like I, I, I had the same thing I wanted to comment on about Kim Raver's performance. Cause she doesn't play it the way you expect she would play. She actually plays two things at once. She's playing composed shock where if she's not freaking out, it's still like, what like uh it's like that pause of what just happened with at the same time like this this beast like anger oh, yeah, that comes like, out do of it her. jack do it like do yeah. It. yeah she literally oh. has like the empress do it line like it, it's incredible that moment because you have henderson giving no sell to this whatsoever like he is just stone cold expression i think that you know i was aware of peter weller for multiple things before he was on this but 
I, I think it was when I was watching 24, probably around this time where I really started to appreciate him as an actor. Cause it's not easy to give no expression like that, but still be like communicating something to the audience. It's incredible. His reaction. Uh, and then Audrey just went, you know, threatened to kill him. And he's like, do it. Like, Again, that's not cheesy. Like, that's feeling like we've watched her keep herself together, but you see this anger in her. That I mean, that's going to come out throughout this episode here where that's the the that's the tension that's going to be built in Audrey holding Henderson hostage is the fact that, you know, Bad we've already Audrey. seen she's she's willing to have Jack pull that trigger, and now it's just going to be a question where she's going to pull the trigger herself. I, I do uh, wonder with um, – you haven't gotten to uh, the Graham stuff yet because uh, I have oh. some questions about that for what gets revealed in the season, but – um heller is he revealed as being alive by the end of this season oh yeah because i always remember being like well, question up week. in the air it's next week of the week oh, okay. after. it's pretty it's pretty um it's pretty soon yeah but i mean we literally don't see him again which is kind of no. weird you know like, uh, from but, memory i don't think we see him to the finale of season six i think that's this is the I, last time we see him until the final episode of season six from memory and i would have rather they kept that a mystery because like that's the thing with tony like they basically declared tony dead in a show like this where we're what now going to be five, six hours away from the end of the season, you don't have to reveal it. You could just Jack and Audrey are out of the loop. Nobody says anything. That would have been great to just tease the audience. Is he dead or not? And not reveal it. Cause now, now I'm actually kind of disappointed because I kind of wish this was a thing where you didn't know he was alive until he came back. I will correct myself. We do see him in the fifth last episode of season six and then the finale. Um, so two episodes next season. Um, so there you go. Uh, yeah, I just want to touch on Kim Raver quickly because it's sort of like, again, we talk so much about her just not getting any props or anything for acting and never gets nominated for these sort of things. And I know like, again, always bring up third watch, but there's, there's always the one that I always implore people with Kim Raver to just really see her ability in, in third watch is the spoiler alert. If you don't want to know what happens to Bobby Cannavale's character in third watch, then tune out now. But, uh, Bobby Cannavale's character called Bobby gets shot. And in this sequence, like he give me an option to tune out. <laughs> I'm on the line here. This is live. You're part of this show. You deal with it. So he get, he gets shot, and then sort of the guy who shoots him. I can't remember the actor's name. He's quite a famous actor. We've talked about him on other things before now too. He shoots him. He takes some drugs out of a toilet, and then Kim Raver's character comes around the corner into this room to see this scene. So then she has this gun pointed on her head by the guy who just shot Bobby, and there's just this kind of like two minutes worth of tension where there's silence. There's no talking there's anything you just kind of got kim raver like reacting having a gun pointed head be going like please like please like you've got to let me help him he's dying because he's paramedic and then he kind of runs and then there's just this silence at the end of the episode where she goes to help bobby and then they kind of fade to black and you hear her voice like over the top of the credits going like bobby stay with me stay with me like it's just it's so powerful that was our number one moment of third watch across all six seasons when we did our top moments and like that's just an underrated kim raver acting scene which again shows her ability and this is another one in this, the way you're right. Like she goes from kind of this shock, like she's not in hysterics. She's not like, you know, she's just kind of got this, oh my God, like, are you kidding me? This is happening. And then switches to this, do it, Jack, do it. And then even later on when she's pointing the gun at him, like it's just, this woman needs more praise. She needs like an Emmy nomination yeah. or something. I've, I mean, her abilities are more than Grey's Anatomy people. Um, I mean, I, I always liked her character on 24. I always appreciated what she did, but I don't think I've ever seen how impressive she is for her performance and her acting until this rewatch. Yeah, no, completely, completely agree. Um, so this is where we get Graham for the first time. So just after our first ad break, 
Logan's on the phone, and who do we meet? It's ER's Paul McCrane. It's Robocop's Paul McCrane. There he is. And I, I remember watching this for the first time, like, fanboying out. I'm like, oh, my God! There he is! <laughs> it's Dr. Romano! Because uh, I always liked him. I always liked his character in ER. I know he was meant to be hated, but, like, I, I just loved him. He, he was probably the last character they introduced that I liked on that show. I mean, until I kind of stopped watching it. He did. I mean, ultimately, he was kind of like that likable, hated guy. Right, because like yeah. he did deep and, down have a heart, as often these assholes do. After I watched this episode, I was trying to remember because again, I've I've rewatched some of the early seasons of ER recently, but like none of the, I probably started watching less frequently around like season six, season seven. But uh, did did they ever? I know that they teased at one point. Did they ever actually have him and Alex Kingston hook up on that show? Because I know that was at least no, it was teased or something. I think like he had a thing for her. Ah, uh, didn't he? go on a date with her i think or like he made a move on her and it just got very awkward because i'm pretty sure that was around about when she started getting with dr green it's look it's been a long time since i've watched it literally it's on my list of shows that in the next year or two i really want to rewatch. it's that i know it's going to take me 18 years because it's 15 seasons (laughs) long but like i I legitimately i'm just the more and more i want to get into that again because it's it's what number three of my favorite shows of all time and i've been a while since i've rewatched it so yeah it's just, I just remembered, you know, again, maybe getting out of the show at that point. And one of the reasons why is I hated the soap operaness of ER, where it all just became, oh, everybody's just hooking up with everybody. Uh, but always thinking, every when they did basically pair up Alex Kingston and Anthony Edwards together, thinking, oh, they really should have done it with Paul Crane. Like, because it would have been so much more unpredictable. And I just, I would have loved to have seen it. That was one, you know, love story or couple relationship on the show that I would have wanted to see, whether it succeeds or even if it was just a complete train wreck that would have been amazing to see those two characters hook up on the show i don't know how yeah i see i, I think like i don't know I, I'd, I'd love to do a. I mean i'm not committing to a 15 season rewatch with you for er um <laughs> we're gonna get through this but there is actually a, a podcast which i'm not listening to out there it's just like an er rewatch podcast which i really would like to get into because i've seen the stuff they post online and it's great and again er is one of these shows that sadly has just seemingly been forgotten about in terms of yeah. how groundbreaking it was um but I think, like, to me, my memories of ER was that it lasted about 11 or 12 seasons before, to me, it kind of went off the rails. I always thought it lasted longer on the quality than people ever gave it credit for. But, like, I also think it did a solid job of getting characters together who you just never thought should be together and making it work. Like, I remember the Dr. Corday, Dr. Green storyline going, really? Them? And then they went on to become one of the best couples in the show. And then same with, like, the Carter sort of uh, Abby and Luca triangle because, you know, in hindsight, I was always Team Carter and Abby. But then in hindsight, no, Luca and Abby were the couple you wanted. Like, it's sort of... But that's exactly why it would have worked better with Paul Crane. Because yeah. it would have been so unpredictable. Maybe. Maybe. But I, th- I've i always talked about that like episode when, like, Lucy and Carter got stabbed and then Lucy dies. Mm-hmm. The thing that, like, made that episode so powerful, that was the first time you really got a humanized uh, version of Dr. Romano. Because he was very protective of Lucy. He was, like, a mm-hmm. real dick to her. But secretly, that was, like, because he, like, really liked her. So when she dies his reaction is the one that makes you like really emotional because anyway, ER rewatch coming in 2037 <laughs> when we're older and remember ER. Uh, <laughs> but um, so here we go. We've got Paul McCrane. Gra- I don't, I think we hear him called Graham here, don't we? I'm pretty sure we hear his name is Graham in this episode. So this is our first introduction to this sort of, shadowy organization which is going to really be the crux of the villains plot from this point to the end of season seven so you got to kind of stay with this and this is what i think going back to season two 
I would have liked to have seen with that whole shadowy organization with what's his face from Saw and all that kind of stuff, which they kind of alluded to. So we've got a bald guy here called Graham, who's basically on the phone to Logan and Logan's all like, call off the action against Henderson. He's going to release this audio. Like, you know, we're fucked. And then basically Graham's like, oh, we've always got contingency plans. You need to be more cautious about your wife and your secret service agent called Aaron. And basically Logan's like, I'll handle my wife. Now it's what one in the morning. You've got these guys just sitting in a room in their suits with Bluetooth on. That's how dated this episode is. The Bluetooth piece of, you know, hardware. And they're just sitting around there drinking their scotch. Now I'll have more complaints about the scene later on in this episode with this, but it's like, again, I see what they're trying to do. I get it. But this is where like, it just irks me because again, I know who this guy is now which makes it worse. <laughs> Spoiler alert, everybody. This is Jack Bauer's brother. I'm spoiling it for people who have never seen this before. This is Jack Bauer's brother. And again, no disrespect mm. to Paul McCrane, but like he looks remotely nothing like Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> you kind of weirdly feel sorry for Graham next season when you realize that Jack is in love with Graham Bauer's wife as well. Yeah. Um, oh. And then we get introduced. Don't remind me. To arguably one of the worst, if not the worst character of all time, Graham Bauer's son. But we'll get to that next season. Um, and they mentioned, he technically mentions him in this episode too, where oh, he says something about his children. Oh, I was like, no. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, and then we get this scene with Martha, who's basically all like accosting this poor Secret Service agent, who's basically like, where's Aaron? This is unusual. This is, can I also just add, 20 minutes past the hour. Why has it taken Martha 20 minutes to bring this up? <laughs> like, the stables are really far away. She got to the stables earlier than that. So she's all like, where's Aaron? Where's Aaron? And this uh, secret service agent's like, oh, I don't know. We got transferred. And then we've got sinister secret service agent here who I'm pretty sure this is the one that she kills later on. Um, <laughs> so spoiler. I'm just spoiling everything. I don't care. Stupid storylines. You'll forget about it anyway. No one listens to this crap. So then Martha gets locked in a room. Again, this... It's going to bring a pretty decent scene between Martha and and Charles later on, but I just think this makes Charles look... Like, Charles somehow gets away with being evil in this season for so long at the end part because he's just doing stupid things. He lets the secretary go. He locks up his wife. Like, I mean, there are certain things that he's risking it very hard. Like, it just makes him look stupid and... Again, it's great tension. It's entertaining. Um, that's not to take away from that, but I don't know. It just it just makes him look dumb. Um, this is where Jack's on the phone basically to Audrey and this magical technology of like, hey, rewind back a little bit. Was there an explosion? Oh my God, Jack, there was an explosion. Um, he doesn't have the recording on him, so he's handed it off somewhere. And then Chloe's like, oh my God, Jack, you're right. There's another plane on the runway and I missed that. Oh, how stupid of me. Like just... I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just dumb that you've got to do this. So we're basically finding out that there is a plane that is on the runway, the one runway at this airport that they didn't see. And not only is it a plane, Colin, it's a diplomatic plane. We're, we're a diplomatic... Uh, what's, what's the Princess Leia line? I'm on a diplomatic mission to order on. Mission, like, yeah. We, we have no weapons on this. Like, just... <laughs> that's what it is. Um... <laughs> Ah, oh, Star Wars. What a what a movie. We should do, we should watch that. Um We should cover it. <laughs> have you heard of it? I've heard it's quite good. Um I watched this movie randomly last night. You know when you're I don't know if you lay in bed and watch random things, you've got a wife, you probably yeah. have other things to do. But um I watched this like guy, it was a ten minute video. Of course <laughs> don't. you don't. Jamie tries, but you I'm watching this video. Um 
was like a 10 minute video of some random guy ranking every Star Wars movie and TV series of all time, right? Some of it was pretty decent. Like he had some stuff right down the bottom. Like, yeah, I agree with it. Then all of a sudden he put like uh, Obi-Wan at like the third worst. I'm like, really? Fuck off. Oh. But then he had Clone Wars as number one over Empire Strikes Back. And having never having seen all of Clone Wars, I don't know if that's a hot take or... Uh, not as hot as you think. Uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> okay. All right, it's on the list. Um, so anyway, basically we're finding out there's a diplomatic plane on this runway scheduled to take off at 1am. Now, I've got so many problems with this. Like... We're going to see later on that this is quite an important flight because you've got, like, cars with German flags on it and British flags and French flags. So these are, like, proper diplomats. Why are they flying out at one in the morning? Why is this so secret that, like, how did how did Jack and the Secretary of Defence just land at this runway when you've got, like, diplomats from these important nations? How this is, like, the Djibouti, Djibouti and, like, uh, you know, <laughs> Niger and Djibouti. That's how you say it. Like, Suriname, like, random countries that, no disrespect to these great countries, but, like, no one gives a shit about it if their leaders are flying out at one in the morning. If you've got, like, the French minister and the English minister and the German, 1am, there's media here. Like, there's other people here. The Secretary of Defence Well, media just- can't get there. There's a curfew. Well, there's a media, the media of power. Trust me, that's why I I work in the media. But like, do you, like you oh, I, I, again, I get why you're doing this. It's a secret diplomat. Like you know, nobody was aware of this. But again, it's just you have got other ways of doing this. I don't know. I'm just complaining about it for the sake sake of it. But <laughs> Henderson's also handed it off a freaking thing to somebody on this plane. So Jack's all like, "Girl, I'm Jack Bauer. I'm gonna go after. I'm Jack Bauer. Gonna get on the plane." <laughs> to which again, like Jack comes across a little bit dumb. Because then he's like, Audrey, I am. I need to go now or something like that. And Audrey's like, oh, I'll stay here. And Jack's like, no, Audrey, I will not let that happen. I'm fine, Jack. I'm all good. Okay. Like, seriously, this is again up there with leaving Evelyn by herself. Like, this is yeah. not going to end well, Jack. Like, come on. You're leaving her alone with the guy who you know is good at manipulating his way out of things. Like, there's just something dumb. And why does Curtis come into the equation like 10 minutes later? Surely this is where you go, well, hang on a minute, Curtis. Like, the writers have forgotten about him until now. So, you know, uh, anyway, just a little, little nitpick. So Jack's going to drive off and leave Audrey by herself. But I do kind of like the little moment when he kind of kisses her and goes, and, like, I'm not comfortable with this. I might cap it. I'm just going to maybe cap to the ad breaks here because I kind of think the nice little bookends here to that point. Um, so did you you talked about the Logan, uh, Logan Graham. discussion with Martha, but not Martha, No, right? no, not yet, not yet, no. Okay, so we'll get to that. Do you um, listen to so, what I say so, here, Hilding? Like, come on. Half, half of it. I mean, I'm <laughs> chewing the other half. The, you got to eat chewing my dinner, very right? hard for Colin. <laughs> Left start, molar, start... right molar, front, <laughs> front bank. Nom, 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 nom. How do I swallow again? <laughs> oh, wait, what's Ben um, saying? But, uh, yeah, I, I wonder with the, the, the Graham thing. So as soon as this came up, the first thought in my head, which I don't think was my thought at the time when the season first aired, was, was there a plan to tie this into the season one, season two, season three organization and all that? Because we do away with that in the video game with the whole Max thing. But um, it still would have been impossible to do it. And I almost feel like even though there's a line that they have here, the the, the Spectre, uh, Paul McCrane Spectre here, uh, there's a line where they say we've been working on this 18 months. Like they're referring to this one attack this operation but is there anything in this season that clearly defines that this is something new because i almost feel like the writers are introducing this right here to almost leave that option open that this could be something that ties the entire series together from start to finish 
Yeah, it's a solid point. I, I mean, I don't know if there's a definitive thing saying this is new, but I think it's just implied. Um, I would argue that the audience's attention span is not going back that far um, mm. outside of the super fans. Because I'll be honest with you, I never actually thought about it as being tied in. I mean, it would be good if they worked out a line where they could have. Um, but, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. But I, I think, yeah, you just assume this is new. It's just the 24th trope also, of let's bring in someone behind the person who's behind the thing, you know. Because I was trying to also figure out, uh, is this supposed to, at least at this point, be an American organization? You know, they're really shying away from the whole international terrorism thing, even in last season. They're like, oh, there's going to be a domestic connection. But there is one guy in the room here with Graham who clearly has an accent. We don't know what type of accent it is. <laughs> it's foreign. Uh, Yemen. It's definitely from Yemen. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm still on board. Like, again, I know where we go with this. When he mentioned the I even had that flash when he mentioned his children. I'm mm. like, no, not son. Josh, um, kill him now, not Josh. <laughs> but ah! but yet at the same time, I, I'm viewing this for what they intended at the time, which is like, this is 24 Spectre. This is our first glimpse at, we're not getting Blofeld yet, but this is going to be our Largo or our Red Grant or our Rosa Klebb. You know, it'll it'll lead somewhere. Sadly, I know where it leads to, but like here watching this episode, I can still disconnect from season six, which made me love this is the way it's filmed. Like it's 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 also, I think, 24 saying we're not a show that's going full realism anymore. Like this is going to be a little bit in its own universe like James Bond, because James Bond, the their first few movies. Yeah, you have some, you know, kind of over the top things in there, like a guy throwing a bowler hat. But for the most part, those are very grounded reality. But then the second you see Spectre, you're like, oh, this is like a comic book, you know? And I kind of get that feeling here with Graham's organization that it's like they wanted something that was a little bit more comic book It was a little bit over the top. You can suspend more disbelief now watching 24 just seeing this. So in a way, this might actually help when I, we get to season six. It's not going to help everything, but it helps a little bit because this is almost like the moment where they say, this isn't the real world. This is a cartoon. And look, again, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, it's, it's all on paper and execution, I think. Yeah, it's something that is smart and should be done, and I like that they explore it. It's similar to that, as I keep saying about season two. Yeah, I think that would be something that would be interesting. Again, my issue is the execution. It doesn't stick the landing, and I think by – and again, it stretches into season seven. I think that they get that in season seven that they kind of fucked up, and so you kind of have this very soft reboot for the last season that was season eight – you know, like it's sort of, they kind of go back to their roots in season eight of let's just kind of have an assassination plot. Uh, and that's kind of the big bad of season eight. Whereas it just gets so convoluted with what they are doing because like the, the thing that kind of, I don't know if you remember about it. It's like essentially what this will, will border down to with this kind of like pulling the strings and everything um, is that when Tony's evil and he's evil one week, good next, all that sort of stuff. He's like, his ultimate thing is that he's doing is to avenge Michelle and it's not even against Logan. It's against freaking um, John Voight. And um, what's the other guy, the the famous guy I keep forgetting who comes into it late Armageddon guy. Um, oh, oh, Will Patton. Will Patton. Thank you. Like him. Yeah. Like, Will Patton, spoiler alert, is ultimately the ultimate guy in control of this organization. But this is the thing. They keep like, oh, is it James Cromwell? Is it freaking, uh, you know, Powers Booth for five minutes? Is he evil? Like it's just... <laughs> It's so convoluted that you just get tired of it. Um, but again, had they done this well, like a Spectre, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. similar in a way, but I will say, and I'm sure you might agree with me, Bond does it better in the Craig era where like 
Spectre was controlling Quantum. Like it's kind of like it's sort of yeah. did we need that? Like it like everything was tied to Blofeld and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm a Spectre defender, but like I still can see the issues around that being a thing that like Blofeld mm-hmm. wasn't controlling Silver. Like that's bullshit. Like so that everything works with more mystery. The second you start explaining it, even in Bond. Far. Yeah, and that's what the classic Bond movie. This isn't just being like an apologist for the classic Bond movies, but yeah. Spectre works so well as an organization because we never got to the bottom of what they were, who Blofeld was, what the purpose is. You just know they're out there and they're they're deadly and they're dangerous. And that's what this is. This is like mysterious organization. You're scratching your head. Who are they? What's their what's their purpose? And correct me because I I stopped watching Alias, but like that's what confused me very much in Alias was this whole what was like SD6 and like things that she was yeah, like yeah you got so good. many branches of that I got confused and I'm dumb so mm-hmm. like that's why I kind of didn't stick with Alias because I'm like I'm so over I don't understand what's happening here so um anyway did you have more to but add here no no not really I mean because uh, most of what I'll have to add will be on the the Audrey stuff and the Martha stuff that's still to come uh but uh yeah and with with um the the explanation like i i completely get that cuz uh the more you explore this organization the the worse it is and, and i'm not going to say it's all going to be bad but even going back to the first few seasons it was always just these teases of who is this guy on the yeah. boat oh it's this max guy right who is nina actually working for uh you you're not really getting explanation so and, and if they've done that going forward instead of trying to say we want to tie the story up just give us little glimpses so even if you want to do you know, Graham Bauer and and the father or whatever, and then go further than that and you got Will Patton. Just don't get, try to give us an explanation because it's always best when you're questioning what am I watching. 100%. And if we were to rank like the errors of 24, like the first three, the middle three, the last three, whatever, I mean, the first three still stand up to me because I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like, yeah, do we want to know who Nina works for? Like, yeah, like the Drazens and kind of all those little threads you could go into. But I think what makes the first three seasons to me work so well is that you you kind of keep it ambiguous and like even the Saunders connection to the Drazen mission it's explained in the Nightfall comics but like that's mm. it it's, it's very basic like it's like once you read it and you know the plot point it's good and like again those Nightfall comics I would recommend if like I, I got my hands on them I can take photos and send them to you if I ever go back to my dad's and get them and that sort of stuff but like it's kind of one of those like prequely kind of things that explain some things that it doesn't go over the top. It's not like this is how Han Solo got his name and this is how he got his dice. Things that we've never given a shit about. Whereas like it does enough to introduce you to Saunders. You even get introduced to Logan in the Nightfall comics. Like it's a very brief cameo, but you're like, oh, Logan and Palmer, there was a connection there. I get it. Like there are just certain little things. I think even Henderson might even be in the Nightfall comics from memory, if I'm not mistaken. So like there are little things that kind of dangle enough to give you a bit of a backstory without going too deep. And then it's like, I guess the novels would do that more, but the novels aren't required reading to still understand what we're getting. So, so here removing knowing where season six is, when you're watching this the first time, how cool did you think that this Paul McCrane organization was? I thought it was intrigued. That's a good question. I mean, again, I was excited for Paul McCrane and I think it's, it's just more that intrigue. Like you're right. Like, and like, we'll say this next season. I still think even next season, I don't remember hating season six completely until a certain point. I think it was more frustration of knowing what they had and where they shit the bed. So I think there was still enough going on with this shadowy organization where it was like, I want to know more. It's it's Starship Troopers. Do you want to know more? Um, (laughs) It's, it's, and it's, and even season seven, like there is, yeah. Like I'm not hating it when I'm watching it. It's just in hindsight and retrospect and rewatches 
where you understand what it is. I mean, we've all had that with movies and TV shows where in hindsight, they're not very good. But at the time, like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to keep bringing it up, but Die Another Day, we were talking about 007. You didn't hate Die Another Day the first time you saw it. Nobody hated Die Another yeah. Day the first time they saw it. It was retrospective. Spectre, yeah. we're just talking about Spectre. No one hated Spectre when it came out. You know, it's 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 those retrospect things that all of a sudden people realize, okay, this isn't very good. So watching this, I'm like, hmm, Paul McCrane's in this show. Who is this organization? Like, yeah, of course. I, I'm guessing you were the same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that's how I can put myself back in that mindset. I think it's I remember so well seeing this and being like, ooh, we're, we're, we're getting something we haven't seen on 24. We're getting a peek behind the scenes. That's what this is to me. It's a peek behind the scenes that's like just whetting your appetite. Uh, and, and Paul McCrane is so good because it's completely different than er or robocop or yeah. anything else he's done i mean this this is this is like him he's essentially playing Blo- for what we knew at the time this was blofeld it wasn't largo this was blofeld and Ball that was two. so cool about it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh yeah henderson was in nightfall he was in three of the five uh comics of nightfall i knew he was in it okay i just i kind of had a feeling it was there um so what i'll do is i'll lump the next two ad breaks together because i think this is all the stuff you want to talk about and i think the ending bit's pretty easy to talk about so um Karen shines in this episode. I always forget Karen's really. This is Karen cluing in. This is like, you know, uh, good stuff here from Jane Atkinson. So Miles comes in and he's all like, hey, we're now officially Homeland Security in under two hours. That's great work, Karen. Like, I know I'm not meant to like I love Miles. I don't know. Like, he's an efficient worker. This guy gets shit done. He's a man. Uh, <laughs> but even in this episode, like, do you feel like this is the first episode where they're having fun with him? Like, not just the whole Unix system line, because he has a couple of those in this episode. But even like he starts to have some of those reactions where he's like, wait a second. Yeah. I think that I might be on the wrong side here. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I kind of like hearing like, so, and this is where Karen sort of starts questioning, like, I'm just still not sure about like, why did the president want to apprehend Bauer? Like it just, it doesn't make sense. And Miles is just being the company man. Like Miles is just being like the, you know, sticking to his, uh, his job. He's like, well, if the president says so, the president says so. Uh, this is where we what are we like half an hour into this episode and they've just discovered Chloe's missing. Uh, <laughs> to which is this, that, I think this is that same random woman on the phone who was the one who like Chloe's questioning a week ago. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Now she's on the phone going like, uh, Karen, like uh, Chloe's got out. What happened? I don't know. Why do people who asking me stuff? I'm just Jenny in accounts. Like, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, they get Sherry up to the office and, um, uh, like as annoying as kind of this character is Kate Mara plays innocent kind of like, Oh fuck. What am I doing? Very well. And I know I'm a Kate Mara fanboy. I'm going to defend her, but I don't know. I just kind of like the way she plays this character and you can't like, she's a horrible person, but she also kind of feel bad for her because she's just kind of like, look, I fucked up. All right. I need help. Like I'm sick. Yeah. Like you, 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 you can't take this show that seriously watching this storyline unfold here uh, because realistically the biggest plot hole here is how does this woman even have a job because yeah. she even says every maybe everybody's right and i am crazy right but it is it, it is kind of a moment that gave me a bit of a laugh because this is a very forgettable story arc about her yeah. being crazy it, it did give me a big laugh where she's like oh maybe everybody's right i am crazy <laughs> I'm like this is they're having again like with miles they're having fun knowing what this character is now and knowing that people are probably laughing at it in 2023 2023 she's suing ctu for ne- negligence of like no psychiatric help and that she was like yeah. treated poor like like this is how we can look at it from a modern lens like she's she's taking a mental health decade after yeah this. <laughs> this is bad workplace uh practice here from the government i think that she's got to this point but basically she's all like Oh, like she manipulated me. And I, I love like Karen's line where she's like, she manipulated. Like you just can see 
that like uh, Chloe. Oh no, intimidated. That's the word she said. Not manipulated. Yeah. Me. She's like she intimidated me, and I just love like you just think Karen's about to get real. She's like yeah. she intimidated. Karen's an amazing boss. Like she is. Yeah. I'm saying right now, and she's not even the boss of CTU. She's the boss of Homeland Security. She is the best boss this organization has ever had. She is amazing at her job. I love this woman. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, because love her. even. Even when she's doing things throughout this season, which is technically not the right call, based on all the information she has, you're like, well, yeah, I would have done yeah. it too, right? She is doing, like, she is not fucking up. She is doing everything that is in her job and her power. And she is now going to unravel this plot and she is going to be on board and do the right things with it. Like, mm-hmm. she, I, I can't overly remember a lot from next season with her position. She's in, no, she's in the White House next season. She's not in CTU next season. Um. But no, she's amazing. And Jane Atkinson is incredible. I love this woman. Um, but I love the fact here that basically uh, Sherry's like, oh, she, you know, manipulated me. And then she claims that the president's evil. Can you believe that? And then straight away, Karen's like, ding, 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 ding. Like something's going on here. Um, this is where we get the Logan Martha scene. Now, again, this is a great scene. I, I love the the acting and everything in this scene. And every time I get Gregory Itson and uh, Gene Smart together, it's just, it's amazing. Like, uh, these two just are incredible together. And it is a really great scene. And, like, I will say, like, this is that level of, I mean, like, Logan's evil now and this is how he's going to be and I'm loving seeing Gregory Itson kind of be this way. I do, again, though, I have to say that I think he's a bit dumb in explaining this to Martha. Like, it's a risk because he doesn't know how she's going to react. And, uh, like, again, I get in a way where you're going to do it to protect yourself over Aaron but then at the same time, like, she's shown how unstable she is and he kind of gets lucky here where she's just basically like, well, I'll keep your secret, child. But then I also think, like, Martha goes a little bit over the top when she's just basically like, I hate you. Like, okay. I hate all of you. You just found this out two seconds ago? Like, because you want to get... It does feel a little bit like she found out that he killed her crush, David yeah. Palmer. Like, this is, this is- if, if it wasn't David, David Palmer thing that upset her, if it was the fact you commit, you're committing treason or whatever, but you killed David Palmer. He was a man. I know. Like it's just, and then, cause this is also a woman who's flirting with Aaron. Like, I mean, like, yeah. and like one thing you got to say about Charles, he dearly loves his wife. Like, I mean, so oh, like, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's, that's where like, I actually feel sympathy for Charles here because like, he's a good husband. Like, mm-hmm. and again, he's trying to explain the reasons why he's doing it. And again, like, it's sort of that convoluted, he's doing it for the greater good, but he's also, you know, whatever, evil. And like, this is this is that Weasley Logan, though. This is that Weasley, like, oh, but I did it because of this, and you've got to understand. But like, I don't know, there's just layers to this, which I'm nitpicking, but I also still really do love this scene. Like, I love them acting off each other. And then just the way that Martha is kind of like, I hate you, but I'll keep your secret. And then you kind of see that, like, like the way they kind of look at, like, it, uh, Logan. He's like, no. <laughs> he's kind of going, shared Logan. <laughs> so they kind of cut to the end. Maybe I will cap it there because I know you want to talk about this scene and probably the Audrey one's a bit separate. But I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I mean, like, I love it, but I also want to nitpick it. I, well, I'll be nitpicking something about it, but something completely different. Like, I, I think that it, it, the part that makes Logan dumb is the fact that he's standing outside this doorway and he can hear Martha yelling, like, oh, you can't lock me up here. I'm not a prisoner. And he can hear that. These Secret Service people are still outside the same door. And he's telling Martha, by the way, I killed David Palmer. You killed David Palmer. <laughs> I want him to be like, you guys, you heard nothing. Like, because we already know people can hear us at the door. So that's where he looks stupid by having this conversation here. Uh, but I think that he 100% knows that Martha's not going to tell anybody for, for two reasons. One for what he blames it on later, or even when he's talking to Henderson, he's like, oh, I told him her that if she said anything, that I'd send her back to Vermont, right? 
Uh, she's smart enough to know this. Like, eh, he's got a bit, a little bit of leverage over me. And the other part being, he 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 believes his side of the story. Like, I think that's what's so good about this scene is the way Greg Grayson performs, where he's saying, "I did this to protect the country, and it's in our best interest." Like, this isn't a guy who is feeding her a line. He honestly believes everything that's coming out of his mouth now. So I think he 100% believes whatever he's going to tell Martha, she's going to be on board with him. I think what catches him off guard is the fact that she kind of says, I hate you. Uh, Because the other part of this that I think is so good is that he doesn't have to tell her anything. He could tell her whatever he wants right here. He could say, Agent Pierce just sexually molested a girl named <laughs> Sherry from CTU. <laughs> Freddie got fingered. Sherry got fingered <laughs> by Aaron Pierce. Um, he literally tell her everything. The fact that he tells her this is because he is such a loving husband. Like that's what I think is so good. Point. All the layers of Logan that's so good because he's got this on his conscience and he doesn't want to keep with his wife. And I think that's what's so different between Martha and Charles. You know, Martha's kind of you've gone a step too far, but because Charles is believing all of his own lies, he he is still in the same position. And, and I think that's what, one of the things that's going to make it so interesting in season six, when they do come back, which I, you know, always remember being bigger than it was, but we still said. get that side of Logan, <laughs> but, but we still get that Logan, the Logan who's like, he still believes that, Oh, I can win this woman back. You know, she's my soulmate. Uh, I, I love that side of Logan. Like, we're, And again, I think so much of this is Greg Ritson. I don't even necessarily think the script is saying all these things. I think that Greg Ritson is just one of these actors who's like, okay, even if you're not telling me this is what it is, this has to make sense in my head because it has to make sense in the character's head. So he's invented these things. It has these little things he does that just gives you this dimension to him. And I'd agree with all of that. And I think there's a great line that I'm about to talk to, which he does, which sums that up. And again, like it's, it's, I relish evil Logan and Greg Ritson does an amazing job. It's just my complaints about the character shifting. But um, no, I agree with everything you say of that. I think that's a, a very good way of putting it. Um, well, this is where we get this cartoony, spectery scene, which annoys the fuck out of me. When we've got Graham in a room with accented man and they're all wearing Bluetooth bits. Like it's so dated. <laughs> And basically these guys are they talking of, to each other on those. That uh, was what I will really make it. <laughs> and again, this is like one in the morning. Why are they just sitting around in their suits drinking bourbon? Like, I mean, it's just. Well, <laughs> it's, like it's a, kind of the most important day in 18 months for them. I think they all got to be there for it. I just, I just, I, but like, they're just all sitting around and it's just kind of like, oh, this is getting too many loose ends. Like his Yemeni accent. It's like, well, all plants have loose ends. Graham Jr., um, well, I said I. It's it's almost like the freaking Goldfinger scene, you know, like oh, follow him and crush him in the car, or like a view to a kill when they kick him out of the thing. Like I'm not part of this plan. Like it's just the thing. The reason why this also annoys me, not just because I know where this goes. This is the first time we've ever had a scene in 24 where it just it feels very out of place. Like it's just it's come out of nowhere, and like all the times we've ever had like villain explain scenes or like villains going over their plot like it's done in a sense of almost reality or almost like a way that it just feels part of the plot and it just feels like it's coming through like when we had like in season one like with freaking um uh Gaines and like Rick and like and all those kind of things and they're explaining it or when Gaines is getting like talked down to by the Drazens like and they're explaining their plot even like Season two with like the whole recording scenario and Max and all that sort of stuff. It's it's done in a way where you kind of like, okay, I get this. Season three with Saunders and like, uh, oh, you know, the Salazars and season four with um, uh, Imhotep and all that kind of stuff. Like it's all done in a way where like it fits the plot and it feels the tone of the season. This just takes you out of it. We've just got a bunch of random guys we met literally five minutes ago 
And they're all like, you know, like, stay the course, do this, think of your children. No, don't bring up your children, Graham Bauer. <laughs> like, it's just, it feels so weird. And then it's capped off with this phone call between Graham and Logan, which this is all you need. You just need this phone call. You don't need the stuff before the phone call. I'm really intrigued to hear your thoughts if I'm just thinking of it much. But then, so this phone call between Graham and Logan, where basically Logan's just like, I've controlled my wife. Like, it's fine. I'll take care of her. Like, the one bit that I really love about this, and I love this Gregory Itson moment, is when Graham's like, like, good job. You've actually done a really good job today, Logan. Like, And this is Graham inflating his ego. This is Graham yeah. knowing how to control this guy to keep him on board. And then Itson kind of has that moment where he's like, good. I'm glad. I deserve some praise today. It's finally good to hear it. Like, I love that. Like, I just, I love that little moment from Logan where he's just gotten so fucking frustrated. And like, this has got tying into what you're saying. Like, he believes what he's doing is good. So like, mm-hmm. I like that moment. I'll, I'll cap it there with order because I know I unpacked a lot there about my complaint about that scene. I'd love to know if you agree with that or kind of if, yeah, what you think about that. Uh, I, I think that's one of the things where... I, I, I could see how it might have worked just having the Graham phone call if we hadn't in this season alone had that same thing because we're coming off of Nathanson's just the one mysterious guy who's always on the phone. And then we got, um, uh, what was uh, the Julian Sands character again? Um, Bierko. Uh, Bierko. Bierko is that guy. So we've done that already. So, I mean, throwing all these people in the room, that's, I think, what's setting it apart and, and telling you this is not just the next lineup of guy on the phone you know but does it not feel uh, very so hammy and very like cartoon like too yeah, much but, at 24 but again like but again i feel like this is where that shift happens in the show that's kind of important to being able to accept a lot of the stuff that's going to come after this because there's a reason why we didn't stop watching season six i think part of it is because season five sort of sets the table for yeah. this cartoony stuff we're going to get you know yeah um, yeah good point but yeah i mean it, it definitely feels a little out of place in, in coming off the last couple episodes for sure uh but uh but yeah like Logan, you know, this this is an important scene for him, you know? Yeah. Uh, and also, we haven't really been able to see, other than just brief conversations between him and Henderson, which is mostly them just sort of blame each other for stuff, uh, we haven't really gotten Logan connected to anything bad. We, we've had him defending his choices. And this seeing these guys as big, bad specter and Logan's on their side, and you realize that Logan is the low man on the totem pole in, in this room of people, that's the thing that tells you, okay... There's no defending Logan. He's definitely a villain here. I think it's just seeping through the craps of these craps, literally craps of, <laughs> of cartoon stuff that just is the stuff that frustrates me. But anyway, uh, so, okay, let's go to the end. We're running long. But um, so we've got basically Jack um, is uh, on the hunt for this plane. Meanwhile, this is the great Audrey scene. So this is where Henderson is like trying to manipulate Audrey. So basically uh, Audrey's there chilling. Henderson's um, all tied up. And basically Henderson's just like, like, Audrey, like, your dad, he could be alive. Like, there could have been an air pocket in the car. Like, make the phone call. You don't want to, you don't want your dad to die. And Audrey's just like, shut up, shut up, shut up. It's like, got the gun. Like, I'll do it. I'll kill you. Like, you're, you're a bastard. You're a bastard, Henderson. You're not a man. You're a bastard. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm making fun of it, but like, it is a great scene. Again, going back to Kim yeah. Raver's acting chops and just Peter Weller, too. Just like the way, like, he's got a way about it where you're almost believing him because he's like, Audrey, like, like, come on, like, your dad could be alive. Like, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, there's an air pocket. Call someone. And obviously he's doing this to kind of like draw this out a lot because as we're about to find out, there's a crew coming along to uh, help kill Henderson, which I've got to ask, like, I guess, no, uh, that's a dumb thing to say. Well, uh, Hella was in a completely different part of the state. I was going to say, how did that helicopter take so long to get back to that compound? But they were chasing Hella at another end of, never mind. Mm. Um, so Jack's shown up. This is where he's like, oh, it's a diplomatic uh, plane. Like there's all these people. How am I going to get on the plane? And, 
Chloe, get me on the plane. And Chloe's like, I can't. And Jack's like, just do it, Chloe. And Chloe's like, Jack, I can't. Like, I love angry Jack when Chloe just literally can't do anything. It's like, we'll try and delay the plane. Um, and it's like, well, we can't. Like, I could delay that plane right now. Ring up, ring, ring. Van Nuys Airport. Hello, Allah Akbar. There's a bomb in the plane. Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 2006. All right. Like, I mean, it's not that hard. I'm sure I've got a phone thing on this. I could right now delay 10 planes at Sydney Airport right now. Uh, like, I mean, it's not that hard. Um, so, yeah. Th- and then Chloe finds out that the helicopter's landed at the compound. Basically, Jack rings up uh, Audrey and he's all like, get out of there, get out of there. And she's like, no, I'm not leaving him. There's a great little moment when, like, she's trying to make a mind up. And you see Hella, just, uh, Wella, Peter Weller. There's Weller and Hella. There's too many things there. Uh, <laughs> Henderson just kind of this like dumbfounded on his face. Like going like, yeah, bitch, come on. Like you knew there was going to be people coming here. And then Audrey just kind of like, rah! and she just kind of like does a runner. Um, I love Curtis, like with Audrey, like kidnapping Audrey, like putting his hand over her mouth. Like, and she's like, I love that moment. And he's like, shut up, Audrey. It's Curtis. <laughs> and yeah, Curtis action hero Curtis. Yeah. Good for him in back. Like where, where has he been? Hanging out with Mike? <laughs> where were Co- you coffee break <laughs> coffee break uh because uh, we should mention it's sort of like bill and chloe sort of question like oh can we trust curtis you know he might yeah. be on board but they're like oh no he's curtis come on he's trusting like of course he is we love curtis um so there's a shootout involved um curtis and ctu basically kill off henderson's men and they get henderson uh and then audrey is all like yay henderson's evil so we got him um and this is where jack Jack turns Casino Royale Bond here, gets on a fuel tanker. Oh, da, 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 I'm da, glad da, you da, thought da. the same thing. Yeah. Trying to stop a plane in the wee morning hours, jump on a fuel tanker. 2006. So it was the yeah. year of jumping on fuel tankers at airports. Um, <laughs> I do like, there's something funny about the visual of Jack Bauer, like running through a fence. And then you kind of got these, like the camera angle of his like close up face of Kiefer Sutherland going like, as he's like, <laughs> like, all of this is meant to be tense and fun. But I love this whole sequence of Jack breaking on the plane, right? Because they check under the plane for the bomb. They don't check on top. Dumb. And then when Jack gets on the plane, he puts his like, oh, he's oh got to get in a cocktail now. What's going on? <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, what is this? That's cranberry, raspberry, sugar-free soda stream. Oh, and in we got cocktail, real lemon in like it, a, too. Jesus. Hey, Jamie, be honest. Yours has alcohol in it. I heard those kids upstairs. <laughs> no, we both don't drink. Yeah. You Yet. can actually hear. Yet. Uh- <laughs> Coffee is my drug of choice. I need something with these three kids. Your drug of choice is Colin. Oh. It's me. <laughs> um, I love Jack like sneaking on the plane, puts his hoodie on, carrying his bags. I just want him to be like, oh, I've got tomorrow going in there, George. And- <laughs> it's this is a diplomatic plane featuring like Germans and French and English important people. And you just let old hooded hobo get in the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Karen calls Mike. Um, there's kind of an important scene here where Karen's like, hey, Mike, how you doing? Good, Karen. How are you? Good. So you think shit's going down? I do. Hmm, well, that's interesting. Bye. And then she calls up Bill, which I love this scene. I love Karen calling up Bill. Like, get Chloe out of there. The tech team's on the way. Because uh, Miles has found Chloe through a binary application or something like that. Uh, I got I got the line here. Because I, I love this is where I'm like, okay, they're having fun with Miles now. Because Karen's like, oh, you found Chloe. Yes, I machine coded a matrix too. And she's like, Miles, I don't care. Just tell yeah, me where she is. I love that <laughs> Machine coded a matrix. But I also love the bit when like, like she's on the phone to Bill. And she says, Bill, she, Miles, man, said something about like machine coding and matrix. I love Chloe going, like, 
Yeah. He's right. Like, <laughs> Chloe's kind of dumb in this episode. Sorry, Chloe, but like, your character's not but very even, smart. But I don't know if you're going to say it too. Even Bill, when she's like, yeah, um, uh, where's Chloe? I don't know where Chloe is. She's <laughs> definitely not here. <laughs> Bill, we know she's there, okay? <laughs> We're sleeping together. Uh, <laughs> There's We're having there. sexual intercourse. Well, I'm fingering her. Um. <laughs> Forget Paul McCrane and Alex Kingston. We need James Morris. <laughs> it's a very aggressive word, fingering, isn't it? Like, I mean, sexual relations and sleeping. With, <laughs> since you mentioned the word fingering, it goes. It takes a different meaning. Like, I, I apologize oh, for that. that. That sounded dirty. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're just, you're just reminding See, again, I'm not even visualizing that. I'm just remembering Freddy Got Fingered, which oh. I don't know if people have heard that episode yet. Oh, Don't listen to it. Just don't. <laughs> it's just like I got a message from, from Rocky during the week because he listened to our Howard the Duck episode. And I'm like, you bothered to listen to that? I, like, at the time of recording this, we just recorded the episode. I haven't written the synopsis for it. I'm sure you've read the synopsis now. I'm literally going to write, this is a recap on Freddy Got Fingered. Do not watch it or do not listen to this movie. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm that's, that's our advertising for that episode. Go with it. Done. Um, but yeah, Jack Bauer in a hoodie. He's also got his man bag. Jack's man bag. There it is. He's still got it. And uh, this is a bit like, again, it's going to be a bit silly, Jack hijacking a plane. But like at the same time, it's also like, you want to watch it. You've just like literally this episode ends with the yeah. door closing. Like, oh, how's Jack going to get out of this one? Now he's on a plane. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, again, the writers have just got their Jack Bauer bingo. I literally think they just draw it out of the hat. Okay, I've got Jack Bauer. And what have we got this week? Hijacks a plane. All right. Write that into the episode. <laughs> we didn't get fingering a dead horse. Damn it. That'll be next season. Um, yeah, that's the episode. Um, so I'll talk first about the uh, the Audrey scene. Uh, this whole escape here, it, it, was, it was weird that when this scene ended, I was thinking to myself, that was way too rushed because we basically go from she's got Henderson hostage to, oh, no, somebody's on the way there to get you. Oh no, Curtis isn't going to get there in time. Audrey, you better run. I don't want to run. You better run. She runs. You run she can't you. get out. <laughs> and she can't get out. And then all of a sudden, Curtis is there. Don't worry, Audrey. It's me. Nobody has to know. <laughs> uh, but that all happens in one scene. <laughs> wow. Curtis gets a bit rapey. <laughs> but like, Audrey, it bothered uh... me. As soon as the scene ended, it, it kind of bothered me. I'm like, that's, that's too quick. And then I thought about it for like, I don't know, probably only like 10, 15 seconds. And I'm like, I think it actually kind of works because that was all thrown there because you're at this point, you're conditioned to, Oh, this is the next threat. This is going to drag on to next week, or it's going to drag through the next commercial break or whatever. Uh, but this all just being happening in one scene, it, it suddenly took an episode that was a little bit slower in building other than Heller falling off a cliff. You know, everything else here is like, Oh, we're, we're setting things up. You know, we're getting introduced to this new organization. We have Logan having to talk his way out of stuff. We got Jack just, tracking down a plane and all of a sudden you have this massive action sequence that you could have built an entire episode around and it's done in like three minutes and i actually now kind of like the fact that it yeah. happens so quickly i'd agree with that um and also just anytime i get to see curtis in the field like it's one of those things where you know it, it just it just tickles the right nerve you know <laughs> curtis curtis got a gun and then he's in there sneaking around and he's grabbing audrey and he's there don't worry i'm here to save the day right after you told us he wouldn't be there that's curtis that there, there. i'm here to save that's you. a man <laughs> I was on schedule. Yeah. <laughs> Audrey, I have arrived to save you. That involves me taking you away from the danger. But, uh, uh, I mean, with the Jack stuff, I mean, I immediately thought Casino Royale and it just kept getting more and more Casino Royale because you even have the cell phone thing, like the cell yeah. phone going off. 
so I, I know the trailer for Casino Royale had been out at this point and it heavily featured the whole, you know, uh, fuel tanker chase of the airport. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of similarities and I kind of like that. Uh, I, I do wonder though, when Jack is up there and his phone's ringing, like, Maybe turn off your ringer when you're not trying to sneak onto a diplomatic plane. Because, like, you could put it on vibrate. <laughs> Instead, he's like, oh, jeez. Oh, shut up, shut up, talk now. <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's a little bit foolish. But, again, you can forgive because it's an action scene. Uh, and the, the the Karen scene with um with both Mike and Bill, when she's on the phone with uh, Mike especially, the way that he communicates to her, actually, there have been a couple of things that happen, a little bit suspicious. And then... She's saying, all right, so is there anything to Logan might be a villain? He goes, all I know is it's been a strange night. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't be more helpful. She goes, no, Bill, you've been, or no, no, uh, Mike, you've been very helpful. Like they're, they're talking like this really cryptic code to each other. Yeah. And it's been a very strange night. I, I love that. Uh, a little bit spy-like, but uh, I, I mean, overall, like I think there's some great stuff in this episode. There's some other stuff that doesn't really work. Uh, but uh, it, it has me actually excited to see Jack take over an airplane next week because I, I think the build for it this week has been solid enough. But the best stuff in this is the Heller stuff at the beginning and then the Audrey escape. Uh, outside of that, I mean, everything here, I probably am not going to remember by the time we're halfway through season six. I think, yeah, like I think so, you're right. This is kind of the stuff around this. I mean, probably forget that Jack hijacks a plane um, and there's enough tension with it because I think you put someone on a plane that like there's generally only one way of getting down of it. They're going to land it or crash it. Like it's kind of a bit more tension to it, right? They're not on a boat or on yeah. a car or something like that. A plane's a bit of a different story. Let's even send him to space. We never get Jack Barron's space. <laughs> probably just oh, there's still time. <laughs> put that out in the universe right now. Um, trivia on this one. This is uh, Kip Sutherland getting upgraded from co-executive producer to executive producer. Uh, so uh, this is his first time as being an executive producer just on, him, on his own. Uh, and he's still getting shootouts. Come on, you got power now. Exactly. Jack Bauer power. Come on. Um, I do like this little trivia one, which is interesting. I don't know if this is a deliberate thing that the writers did, but it's an interesting one. If you look at the rear of James Heller's car, just as he's driving over the edge of the cliff, the trunk of the car is open. This could possibly be allowed to allow the water in so he can open the doors underwater. That's, I mean, ah. that's clever. If that's true. And he's a man, so he would have thought of that. He is. Uh, if you want to go visit Bill Buchanan's house, it's Five Valley Vista Circle, Studio City, California, 91604. There you go. <laughs> and the one that I've been dying to know, the computer shows Agent Adams is scheduled to start at 5 a.m. and end at noon. Thank you. I'm <laughs> glad that that was cleared up. A seven-hour shift? They got it easy. I know. Fucking secret service, eh? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, Aaron's been working for the last six years. Uh, the IMDb trivia is RoboCop reunion. Peter Weller, Ray Wise, and Paul McCrane all starred in RoboCop with Peter Weller in the titular role. And Ray Wise, Paul, Ray Wise wasn't in this episode, was he? I don't think we see Gardner in this episode at all, do we? Mm, I don't know. I don't think we do. I don't think we do. So, on the previously on, I guess. Yeah, true. There you go. Um, I'm buying this episode, but uh, like spoiler alert, as I said, well, not really spoiler alert. I literally said it this last week. This is one spot ahead of last week's episode. So like, I think that... I think it gets a slight edge over last week because I, I think the, the hella death scene to me is arguably stronger than anything last week. Um, but again, it's same issues as I had last week. It's still very entertaining. Um, the boardroom scene, uh, uh, and the mention of Graham Bauer's son. Um, but yeah, it's it's solidly in the middle. And this officially is the middle episode of 24 for me. This is number 109 out of 216 uh so well the one that's below the middle point 
So <laughs> I was going to say 108 is the middle point, 109, like it's yeah. kind of the halfway threshold. It's 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 the top of your lower half. Which is actually hilarious because 108 is episode 19 of season four. So the, the 19th oh. episode of the last two seasons are the middle episodes of 24 to me. So there you go. Well, Which overall currently, right, well, is- currently it is at 71st. The third okay. lowest buy. So then we're a lot closer this week because I don't like this nearly as much as last week, but I still am buying it and I'm putting it at 54th overall, which is uh, just ahead of episode five of season two, which uh, I looked up as being something to do with. That was when Tony went to the um, uh, Reza and uh, Tony Kate, got a Reza family's shave. House. That was a yeah, Tony shave family's house. <laughs> oh, that one. Yes. Um, fun fact for you. Uh, by you buying this episode, that is our 1400th buy. On the Oz Network. Yes. There you go, Colin. <laughs> Good job. How do you feel? Um, proud. I'm I feel sure. like I played. A, I played a part. Uh, so next week, Jack hijacks a plane. Uh, so I'll re- I'll read out the synopsis. <laughs> I don't think this is too spoilery. Although, uh, what am I talking about? Spoilers. I've heard enough spoilers in this episode. Although Karen wishes to help Bill, he is still taken into CTU to maintain the cover while Chloe escapes. Meanwhile, Jack hijacks a plane in search of the recording that Henderson handed off. At the retreat, Martha grows increasingly unstable, causing further dispute between Logan and Mike. Graham continues to manipulate Logan into taking drastic measures. Yeah, from memory, this is the one where Graham orders the President of the United States to shoot down a plane with his brother on it. Uh, We don't know it's his brother at the time, so uh, this is going to come back and feel weird next season once we learn this information. Uh, Have you watched next week yet? Any thoughts or whatever? No. Uh, going, you actually just spoiled me on what it was. Um, so thanks for that. You're welcome. Uh, I, I'm just trying to look in the cast to see if we get anything special next week. Um, Paul McCrane, <laughs> Alexandra Kaniak plays European woman. We've been oh, waiting finally. for that. Finally, Philip you... Lester makes his 24 debut as attendant Dan. Oh, Lisa Paolo, a woman at bar. <laughs> there uh, she is. Bill Lerman as unnamed hero passenger. Oh, what a man. He's a man. <laughs> That's a man. And David Batiste as Ed. <laughs> oh, we've been waiting for Ed. Is it the same Ed? <laughs> Last year's Ed? Not the, not the same Ed, no. Um, Ed, nah, maybe. Um, <laughs> so we'll be back next week for that. This week for movie recaps, it's a week off. Uh, the following week, we'll be starting back with uh, Romantic Comedy Month. Don't listen to last week's because it was shit. Um, and Blue Beetle, Gran Turismo, all of those are happening soon. And listen to our other shows because they're good as well. My name is Ben. And what happened to you? My name is Colin and I'm a man. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the oznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.